0: Just like COVID hit here, the scare of COVID also hit the Marshall Islands. Back uh, in uh, March, they encouraged every American to leave the islands. And Sandy and I looked at each other and said, you know, this is our ministry. You know, we're not going anywhere. So we stayed. And they went from having a flight every day to having a flight once a month. And so when April came around... It wasn't an ask anymore. The U.S. Embassy said, we want all Americans to go back to the states. And once again, they didn't force us, and so we decided that we would stay. We didn't know how serious it was. Boy, they started shutting everything down in Majuro, and we didn't have a single case. I mean, they had graduation coming up. They they closed it down. Any public events, they closed down. And so we did, like you, tried to prepare the best we could, got Zoom and Uh, Tried to set up if we had to go on uh, video type thing. And so we didn't have to do that. But that's kind of what took place. And then when March hit, uh, my wife started losing sight in her right eye. About a quarter of her vision was gone this way. A quarter of the vision was gone. And so we uh, uh, went down to get help at the hospital. And that's not a very encouraging thing in a third world country. You don't want to go to the doctors if you don't have to. One of our ladies of our church had lost, uh, needed about two pints of blood. And so they uh, send her to the hospital and she gets checked in and they start filling her back up with blood while well, they were putting in the wrong blood. And boy, her body just rejected that and she had a terrible problem. And anyways, they stopped that and. I think a day or two went by, and they went ahead, and they pumped in two more pints, and it was the wrong blood a second time. They about killed this girl. Well, by the grace of God, she pulled through, and she's doing fine today. Uh, our car quit working uh, in the islands, and so we had a little 125 Yamaha motorcycle. And so we, Sandy and I were riding that back and forth to church. And one Wednesday night after church, it had been raining all day, and uh, you don't really get rain here. We get rain in Micronesia. I mean, when it pours, it pours. And I know you get some rains here. So we're uh, getting ready to go home and we're putting rain gear on and, it's, you know, 85 degrees. It's hot. It's humid. And But you have to put it on. And we start heading away from the church, heading home. We got about a quarter of a mile and out of the bushes comes this dog, and it just hits my front tire and lays us down, and we just slid for, I don't know how long, it felt like forever. Sandy flips off the bike, and I'm just pinned, just sliding it, hitting the brake, of course, but we weren't stopping. <laughs> so finally it stops, and and I get out of there, and we get together, are you okay, am I okay? And she just had skinned up her hand, her knee, her foot, uh, so we looked at each other, and we said, we'll just go on home. And so we picked up the bike and got back on and headed home. And by the time I got home, I had a, uh, my hip here was just bulging out. And I said, that doesn't look good. <laughs> Maybe we better go see what that is. And so we went back into the hospital and uh, they took us in the emergency ward. And uh, yeah, you're bleeding inside there. And we want, to, we want you to spend the night. And I said, there's no other way. No, we want you to spend the night. So we spent the night there in the emergency ward. Sandy sat in a chair and I'm on this little cot and cockroaches are running over my body and she's trying to knock them away it's just disgusting it really is so the next morning i knew there were two uh orthopedic surgeons from america on an island and i said sandy i don't know where they're at but go find those guys have them check me out and see if i can we can go on home and so they came and checked me out and uh said we could put a tube in there and drain it but we think your body will absorb that it'll take probably 6 weeks but it should be fine uh, and, you know, I, I think we can get you out of here. Let me check your chart. So she gets my chart. The, the guy gets my chart and he looks at it and they're giving me a uh, something for a pain and it's an aspirin base. So it's causing more blood as we go. So he got us stopped on that. And so this is the scary thing when you go to a doctor out there. And so we go in and we look for the doctor and uh, he is stuck in India. He, he's a man from India. He went home to visit his family when COVID hit. They were stuck out there, and so he was unable to return. But he had a nurse, and that nurse started looking over Sandy and, and uh, doing what he could. He was able to take some pictures and test her pressure, and everything looked good to him. He said, I have no idea what's going on. Well, we heard that in the islands that the cats had a parasite, and we just picked up two cats. And this parasite will get in your eye and cause you to go blind. So we thought, well, maybe she's got this parasite. I don't know what it is, but... There's something to this thing. And so they started treating her for that, and that wasn't it at all. And so we conferred back and forth with the U.S. to some of her former doctors, and they said, listen, you just got to get back to the States as soon as you possibly can. And so I uh, got online and found out uh, united.com, because that's the only flight that comes through. And United said, uh, there's no flight until June the 17th. And this is about the 14th of May. And she said, there's nothing you know we can do here. And I said, you know, that's not going to be good. By this time, a week goes by, and now she lost about three-quarters of the sight of that eye. And uh, so my daughter, of all people, is in Cleveland, Ohio. And figure this, this is God and just how he works. Uh, United tells me there's no flight. The U.S. Embassy in Maduro tells me there's no flight until June 17th. And Rachel gets an email from the embassy in Pompeii, and they said... They are working on a flight to come through on May the 20th. And she called me up and told me that. Had she never called me, we would have waited until June the 17th to get out. That's the truth. But uh, I checked into it then and found out, yes, there is a flight. There are some problems. You see what happened in that flight in April. Uh, the United Airlines broke down in Maduro. But the government of Maduro would not allow anybody to come in in fear of COVID. So they all had to stay on the plane for 10 hours, waiting for a second plane to come, pick up those people, and get them off island. So now that May comes, they said, we can't have this again. And so the government of the Marshall Islands and United are going back and forth, developing a plan. Finally, I mean, it's it's in the daytime, 90-some degrees, 90% humidity. These guys come out on hazmat suits there wasn't a speck of their body shown, Gone on the plane and doing what they need to do to service the plane and getting back off. So they, I mean, they took this thing as if we had a bull eye. I mean, it was really, really serious. So make a long story short, uh, they uh, uh, set up and they were going to have the plane come on May 20th. So we're just praising God that we can get Sandy out of there. It was overbooked flight. First of all, there wasn't a flight. Second of all, it was overbooked. But they got us a reservation, and we're sitting there ready to fly out, ticket in hand. And I noticed the people in uh, United talking one another, and I said, what's going on here? And they said, well, they uh, have a breakdown with United. It's stuck in Koshri. It's not going to be coming. And I'm saying, great. I had lined up all my flights to get me back to Cleveland. The very next day, we had an appointment for the Cleveland Clinic to see the Cole Eye Institute. And that's all they do is eyes, a pretty high-tech place. If you didn't know, Cleveland uh, has the second best hospital in all the United States. Best hospital for heart there is in the whole United States. So uh, we wanted to get there. We knew they could probably do something and help out. So then that would throw that thing off. So we just went on home. And Lord, here we are on a little four and a half square mile island. We have a need here. We have no doctor. We have no airplane to get us back. Help us out. Do something that we can't do. And so they ended up uh, calling me the next morning and saying, Dave, we have a, a flight, uh, uh, an early flight, and we believe we can get you to Honolulu to meet with your original flight that will get you back in Cleveland right on time. And therefore, we could still have the doctor's appointment. And man, we're just praising God. So we went down and got on that flight. It normally takes us, by the time we leave our house, to when we actually get In uh, my daughter's house, about 48 hours. That's normally the time period. This time, we got through in 24 hours. Only God can do something like that. So when this thing is going on, we're like, Lord, what's going on here? I mean, scriptures are running through my mind when Job said in in Job chapter 1 and verse 21, "Uh, Naked I came out of my mother's womb, and naked I shall return thither. The Lord gave, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I said, well, Lord, if she loses her sight or if she doesn't, blessed be the name of the Lord. This is your will. I don't know why it would be. It was easy for me to say it wasn't my eye. It was hers. And so, But I continued to be bothered about it. Then I started thinking about Apostle Paul when he said in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 8 and 9, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So I'm saying, all right, Lord, you you uh, uh, said Paul was better to have it. And if we're better with it, blessed be the name of the Lord. That's fine. So and then I thought about the Lord three times. He goes to the father and says, "Will you let this pass from me. Father said, there's no way there's no other way. The sin of the world must be placed on you, my son. And that's exactly what the Lord did. He took all the sin of the world upon him before he when he hung on that cross and died for our sins. So I'm just thinking, all right, what do I do? I pray three times and just set this thing aside? Is that what I'm supposed to do, Lord? And here the Lord spoke to me in, in Luke chapter number eighteen. Turn there if you would. Luke chapter number eighteen be our text for this morning. And if you're able, stand with me. If you're not, you remain seated. Luke chapter 18, I'll begin reading in verses number 1. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Saying, there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, avenge me of my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterwards he saith within himself, though I fear not God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge saith, shall not God avenge his own elect which are Uh, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this church, for dying for this church, for establishing this church, and for the men and women and children of this church. Bless them, Lord God. If there be one person here today that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, Holy Spirit of God, I pray you would bother them, you would let them know that you love them and if they die in their current state, eternity hell would be their future and Lord you, you do not want that. I pray they'd recognize Christ as the only way of salvation and call upon him before it's too late. But meet with us today Lord, meet with your children as well. In Jesus name I pray, amen. Thank you, you may be seated. Boy, the Lord didn't say quit praying after three times to me. He said, Dave, you keep praying. You keep praying and don't faint. And here, all we had was the Lord. There was no other uh, explanation for it than him. And so I just started praying day and night. And we get to Cleveland Clinic. And uh, the lady was a surgeon. All she does is retina surgery. And what had happened is she had torn her retina. that's all this lady does, retina surgery. And so she brings her in, and she says, Sandy, if, if you would have if came earlier, I think we could have helped you. Uh, but your retina has been torn off for 20 days. I really don't know if there's anything we can do. We'll have the surgery, but I just want you to know up front, I don't have much confidence that we can do anything for you. So they had the surgery, and uh, after that surgery, they went ahead and uh, found out that her other eye uh, was tearing in the same way. And so they went in there over the next few months and did some laser surgery, and uh, they attached that back so it should not tear like her other eye did. And then they went ahead and removed her cataracts and put in new lenses. This period of time took from May until the first part of November. And during that time, that surgeon uh, was pregnant and she had a baby, so she disappeared for about three months. And so as all these things are going on, I just continue every day to pray. And I'm saying, Lord, this is uh, uh, your situation. We put it into your hands. And then he started encouraging my heart. And he said in John chapter number 9, there was a blind man. And that blind man, uh, he, he couldn't see. He was born that way. And they asked him. Lord, uh, who's oh, I'll just read it for you. It says John chapter nine, verse two and three. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin this man or his parents that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, neither has this man sin nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Both saying, I realize this thing happened to give honor and glory to God to prove who he was. And I said, Lord, I don't know how it's going to turn out, but we're going to bless the name of the Lord either way. We're in your hands. We're going to follow you and do what needs to be done. And so we watch our church over there because, number one, there was no flight. And number two, there was a flight. It was full, and we were on standby way down the list. So the odds of us getting off on that plane were very slim. And so our church over there, our little church, saw God take the impossible and make it possible. And when they saw us get on that plane, I'm telling you what, their faith just went went through the roof. Look what God's able to do. And God was already getting the glory before we even left the island of Majuro. So we were blessed and just amazed at what God was doing. But in our text here, we see in verse number two, there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. That's a very, very... A uh, bad judge. That's the only way to say it. That's a bad judge. You know, God instituted three things. He instituted the marriage, the church, and government. And if we will be wise and we will study the scriptures in our families, in our marriages, and if we'll be the husbands we ought to be and we'll be the wives we ought to be, according to the authority of the word of God, you're going to have a God-blessed marriage, a God-honoring marriage. And if you're having a lot of difficulties in your marriage, let me encourage you to get back into the Word of God. You get into Ephesians and you study what you ought to be and see how God can make a difference in your marriage. Churches is no different. I thank God that we don't have to look at the pattern that was the church right before us to be able to continue on. We have God's Word. It tells us exactly what a church ought to be. And this church looks to the Word of God, and that's the kind of church that East River Baptist Church is. Praise God for that. But our government needs to be the same way. Jehoshaphat was setting up some judges in Judah. And when he was setting up some judges, this is what he said unto them in 2 Chronicles chapter number 19, beginning with verses number 6. And he saith unto the judges, Take heed what ye do, for ye judge not for man, but for the Lord, who is with you in the judgment wherefore now let the fear of the Lord be upon you and take and do it for there is no iniquity with the Lord, our God, nor respect of persons, nor taking of gifts. Joseph said, listen, judge, what you need to be is you need to be giving a judgment just like God himself was here giving the judgment. He said, if you'll trust God, there's no iniquity with God. He doesn't have respect of persons. He doesn't take gifts and he will make a righteous judgment every time judges, That's the kind of judgment you need to make. One of the wisest things America ever did was create the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. Documents that are just blessed by the Word of God. Just amazing how they got wisdom from God, realizing it wasn't man, it was the Creator who made the difference. The Declaration of Independence gave us the ability to have a country 244 years now in one document, in one democracy republic, if you would. Amazing, because you can compare that with other worlds and other countries, and they don't have the success that we have. So praise God for our Constitution. But you know, the devil is like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. And he's patient. We had those two cats for a while, and it was kind of neat to watch them. Those cats would see a gecko walking through the grass. And they would only notice the grass moving, but boy, that got their attention. And I mean, they pounced down in attack mode. That little tail would just flicker back and forth like that. And they wouldn't go chasing it. They would wait and let that gecko come closer and closer to them. Until they got close enough, with one pounce, bam, they got that gecko and they had their lunch. I mean, they enjoyed that gecko. You know, the the devil's the same way. Boy, he's patient. Back in the 20s and 30s of 1900, he introduces humanism into America. And boy, it made its way into our government and into our universities. By 1965, they said prayer in the public school was illegal. And that's the worst thing that could have happened to our country, removing prayer out of the public school. One bad decision makes another bad decision. And 11 years later, they say now it's okay to murder babies. And we'll give you the authority of the United States government to go ahead and do it. What a sad thing. Since that time, 62 million babies have been aborted. That is an absolute disgrace to our country. How many future missionaries and pastors and maybe a guy who could cure cancer? Who knows what God would have brought through those children? But that that's the effects of bad decisions. Man, the the bad judges, the bad judgments all through our universities today. You take a young person, you raise them in church, they know to do right, and they go off to a secular university, they come back a totally different young person. It's sad to see what's going on. And now, now to see our judges. Man, they don't have fear of God anymore. They don't care what's best for mankind. Just like this judge in this portion of Scripture. I remember last summer seeing the Supreme Court vote against the church in California and Nevada, that they could not meet together, but a casino could. Boy, that just isn't right at all. Wicked judgments. So it doesn't surprise us, it shouldn't surprise us, that when we replace good with evil over the years, that our country is a place that it is today. This poor widow, she had a great need. And that judge was the only one that could help her. But that judge could care less. Listen, maybe if she had some money that he would have listened to her and took in her case. Maybe if she had some political uh, clout that, uh, th- that he would do something for her. But she didn't have anything. But she had a need. She was absolutely helpless. And you know what? When we're absolutely helpless, we need a righteous God in our corner And this woman needed a righteous God. So she went to him. The Bible says, take a look, verse 3. And there was a widow in that city. And she came unto him saying, avenge me of my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterwards he said within himself, though I fear not God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her. Lest her continual coming she weary me. I mean, this guy realized, listen, this lady's not going away. I don't know if she came every day, knocked on the door, Mr. Judge, I need your help. Or if he sent people to her and say, no, no, no. But I'm telling you what, she was persistent and she just kept coming. And finally he realized that he had to do something. We also experienced some uh, of the same things. She had a real problem, my wife. And there only one that could help us. And that was the Lord, because we had no doctor and we had no plane to get us to a doctor. We see then that God makes a comparison between this, this unjust judge and the heavenly Father. Take a look at verse number 6. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. Shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? During this parable, the Lord brings out a deeper truth. I I love the parables. I love to see that uh, window open up and see a great truth just appear out of that. And I always try to find what is that great truth in the parable. And so we have a few characters in this parable. One was an unjust judge. Is he the uh, focus of this parable? Is he what it's all about? And, And I don't believe it is. I don't believe it's about the unjust judge. But you know what I found myself... Is when I came back to America, that my focus was on the unjust judges of America. I was getting angry. I was getting bitter because I knew the things they were, the judgments they were making and the things I saw through the election until now were wicked. They were wrong. And I didn't understand why. But my focus was on that. And you know what I saw? Man, the devil has you right where he wants you. You are not focusing on the things you ought to be focusing on. Listen, we're, we're Christians, number one. Secondly, we're a United States citizens. And when something happens to our country, it hurts. We don't like it. We want to stand up and fight. And that's what we got to be careful of is making sure our focus is on the right thing. Well, should the uh, focus be on the widow woman? She had a need. There was only one man that could help her. Is that what the focus of this parable is all about? Well, my wife had a need. But the focus isn't really about my wife and her need. That's not the focus that I found through this parable. The focus I found through this parable is found in verse number one. And he said into the parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. God spoke to my heart and said, Dave, don't quit praying. Day and night, you come unto me asking, not even knowing what kind of an outcome there would be. And I'm telling you, from the time I read that scripture until the time had her, Sandy had her very last surgery, I prayed day and night that God would bless and God would intervene. So we get to those surgeries and the doctor that was doing the cataract surgery said, Sandy, uh, we believe we can get you 20-20 vision in your good eye, but your bad eye, we are hoping to get twenty one hundred vision. And what that means is uh, a person who sees perfectly has 20-20 vision. Uh, and that person, what he sees at a hundred feet, a person that has twenty hundred vision would see at twenty feet. And so you can see there's five times difference in sight. And I thought, well, praise the Lord for that, twenty hundred. At least if something comes by her over here, she'll be able to see it and respond to it. So we were just praising God for twenty hundred vision. So they went ahead and had the surgery for her cataract and removed that. A week later, they tested her eyes and they said, Sandy, you don't have twenty one hundred vision. And she said, well, what vision do I have? I'm seeing pretty good. And she said, they said, you have 20-30 vision in that eye. 20-30 vision. And 20-20 vision after the other eye. So listen, the doctor said, I don't know if there's anything I can do to help you at all. And this is a high-tech doctor in a high-tech hospital saying, I don't know if there's anything we can do. So she comes back after her three-months uh, leave for her pregnancy and she sees Sandy on December the 3rd and she looks at Sandy she said well you look at you Sandy I never dreamed you were going to be able to see and now you have 20-30 vision in that eye she said I can't explain it Sandy said I can I have a God who knows my name and he helped me out when nobody else could and I promised the Lord wherever I'd go I would tell what he did for us you say you sound like you're bragging on your Lord I am Because he's the God that comes through. And his will, and see, through the whole time of praying, it's like, how do I pray? I don't want to pray against the will of God. Sometimes it's it's the will of God that she loses her eyesight. I didn't know how to pray. But I just kept praying, asking for mercy and asking for grace. And he extended it when nobody else could. You see, nobody can steal that glory from God because he's the only one that could do that. So... Verse number one tells us that we shouldn't faint, we should keep the faith, we should keep praying, and we need to do that, no matter what the outcome is. Now, you're here today, and you probably don't have a a detached retina, but I guarantee you you have something going on in your life. And there may be nobody else that can help you, and you know, maybe God designed it that way. Maybe he's just wanting to hear from you day and night. I wonder, how's your prayer life this morning? Are you going to commit to him because he's already committed to you? Take a look there in verse number seven, eight. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. The judgment I see here is that this, this judge who was ungodly, didn't really care for people, made the right judgment. He finally did. It took him a while, but he made the right judgment. And the comparison here is a judge that is ungodly with our heavenly Father. And the comparison is, what is the comparison? Well, there is no comparison. He's an ungodly judge. This is our Heavenly Father who's perfect in all ways, knows all things. There isn't anything He can't do. There is no comparison. But it just tells us that if an unjust judge will do what's right, how much more will our God in heaven who knows us and loves us do for us if we will just come to Him day and night? Listen, I encourage you this morning, whatever that need is, you bring to Him. I don't know, maybe you're sitting here and if you would die, you don't even have the surety that you'd go to heaven. Well, you came to the right place because Christ came and died for you. I'm sorry, there is no other one, there is no other way. It's Christ and Christ alone for salvation. The Bible says there's none that's good, no, not one. You're not good, I'm not good, none of us are good. If you're counting on your goodness to get to heaven... You're not going to get there because no one's good. But Christ took your place on the cross. If you are willing to come to him and confess your sin and receive him as Lord and Savior. If you've never done that, would you do that today? Would you take that need that you have and bring it to the heavenly father? Verse number eight, the second part of that verse says, nevertheless, when the son of man cometh, will he find faith on the earth? Well, that's a question we ought to ask ourselves right now. If the Lord come back today, would he find me faithful? Would he find me faithful? You know, that's only a question that you can answer and I can answer. Back in chapter 17 of Luke, the Lord heals 10 leopards. But only one returned and thanked him for what he had done. Listen, I want to encourage you this morning to be that one. To be that one who will thank the Lord for what he's done for you. To be that one who will continue in prayer and faint not. To be that one to tell others about the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Be that one to give honor and glory to our Lord and Savior. As we've seen this past year, a lot of things never thought I'd see in my entire life. But I believe with all my heart, the COVID, the riots, the protests, the election, it's all a bunch of smoke and mirrors. Listen, there's a real battle, a spiritual battle going on behind the scenes. And Satan knows his time's running out. And he's assembling his armies that he can find on the earth to fight an unwinnable fight against God, the Heavenly Father. Can't win. He's going to lose. But he's still going to fight with all he has. But we need to be doing what God had commanded Back in Acts chapter number one, be a witness. Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. We need to be making disciples. We need to get our focus off of the wicked judges. To get our focus off of our own problems. And to get our focus on why we're here and what we need to be doing. Let me encourage you to have faith this morning. Let me encourage you to pray night and day. And let me assure you that there is a God... That wants to help you speedily. 48 hours, normally the time for us to get to a micronesia to hear. First time ever, probably never happen again. 24 hours. You have a need. God wants to hear from you. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning, committing this invitation into your hands. Asking you, Lord, if somebody here doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, don't let them leave this place. Oh, it's not your will that they perish. It's your will that they repent and get saved. And Lord, for your children, you love them all so much. You just desire to hear from them day and night. Help us to be a people that will give honor and glory to Jesus Christ. Meet our needs this hour. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.